want to share just a special moment with the children. So if you are a child and you want to move a little bit closer to your computer screen, come join me for just a moment. So I'm guessing that some of you got to celebrate a special holiday yesterday. It was Halloween, wasn't it? This year, Halloween was a little bit different. We couldn't quite trick or treat like we normally would. But I hope that you got to dress up in a costume and maybe got a little bit of candy if you wanted some. I was out for a walk yesterday afternoon in my neighborhood looking at all of the Halloween decorations and the houses around me. And some of them were kind of scary. There's something about Halloween that's supposed to be a little bit scary, right? With the ghosts and the skeletons and all of that. And it's easy sometimes to be afraid of things like that, to be afraid of the, of the dark, to have fears. I have fears of things like that, and maybe you do too. The word fear is one that shows up in the Bible sometimes. And it's even in the psalm that we just heard read a minute ago, Psalm 34. And whoever wrote that psalm tells us we should fear the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that we should be scared of God? No, not at all. When we see that word fear in the Bible, it actually means something really different from Halloween kind of fear. When we hear in the psalm that we should fear the Lord, what that really means is that we should love God and we should be amazed at the wonderful God who loves us. And we should do everything we can to love God and please God. We should never be scared of God or worry that God's going to hurt us. We should trust that God loves us so much and only wants what's best for us. So if you're ever reading the Bible or listening to the Bible in Sunday school or in church and you hear that word, fear the Lord, please understand it means love God and do what God wants you to do because God loves you and wants absolutely what's best for you and for me. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we love you so much. We are amazed at who you are at this beautiful world that you've created, the color of the leaves and the bright sunshine and smiles and laughter and all the wonderful things that you have created. May that joy that we see in your creation fill us. May we love you in return and never ever be afraid of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all so much. I hope you got some good candy. We had some left over and I'd put it in the candy jar in my office, so I'm going to be enjoying it for a while. This is a special weekend, not just for children who are celebrating Halloween and getting to enjoy candy, but at a deeper level, this is a very important holy day in the life of the church. It's been a long-standing, beautiful tradition at West End United Methodist Church to call aloud the names of those members of the church who have died this year, to light a candle in their memory and in their honor. But it's been a long-standing tradition in the Christian church for centuries. It's been important as people of faith 
to come together as a family of faith and name those saints who've gone before us, to thank God for them and to acknowledge in God's presence our grief in losing them. This year, the grief that we bring with us into this service of worship feels heavier than usual. As I look at the names of the saints printed on the front of our bulletin, I know that there are many friends and families of these saints who were not able to have a funeral or a memorial service this year, who were robbed of that ritual of visitation when loved ones and friends can gather together and tell stories and, and hug one another and bring casseroles and, and have that time of, of grieving and healing together. It's such an important ritual in the journey of grief. And many of us have been bereft of it this year. So we bring with us that extra layer of grief we bring with us into this time of worship that heavy grief that we've named that almost 230,000 people in our country have died from this coronavirus that seems to have affected our lives at every level. And we light a candle in their memory and in their honor. We bring with us the grief and the heaviness of this moment in our life together. And it is important and it is good and it is right to name that grief in God's presence. Not to shy away from being honest about how sad we really are in this moment. Because the God that we worship on this day is a God who's been revealed to us in the cross. A God who does not turn away from the great depths of human suffering, but stands with us and takes it into God's very self. So wherever you are today, whatever it is or whomever it is that you are grieving, you are welcome to bring that grief with you into this hour of worship, for we are in the presence of a loving and compassionate God. We are also in the presence of a God of hope, a God of life, and a God of resurrection. We gather together in worship on this All Saints Day, bearing our griefs with us and opening ourselves to this God of hope, waiting and listening for a word from God. And the word comes to us this morning from the Psalms. We open up the scriptures and they fall open to the middle of the book, Psalm 34. And I want to invite us into this psalm together and see what might be the word of God that, that comes to us through this ancient poem, this ancient song, this ancient liturgy. As we begin to explore Psalm 34, I want to tell you something really interesting about it that I discovered this week for the very first time. I'll be honest, I haven't spent much time with the 34th Psalm. It's not one that I memorized growing up or, or remember studying in Sunday school. 
but it is a psalm that was meant to teach the children. The way it is structured is so fascinating. It's an acrostic poem. Anybody know what an acrostic poem is? I didn't until I read the commentary this week. But what that means is that the beginning of each verse is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And they're written in order. So if it were the English alphabet, the first verse would begin with A, the second verse with B, the third verse with C. It was written and structured in this way, probably so that children could memorize it. It was a teaching tool for the children. So for young Jewish children growing up, it was something they would have learned at the synagogue or in Hebrew school, something they would have memorized. So there's something about this psalm that is meant to teach us. We can imagine an elder in the faith passing these words down to the next generation. We can imagine some of our saints who lived 80, 90, even 100 years speaking to us through this psalm and giving us instructions on how to find life that truly is life. The psalm begins with praise and thanksgiving. I will bless the Lord continually. God's praise will always be on my lips. It's reminding us of, of what we heard last week in Jesus talking about the very first commandment, to love God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. A life that is well lived, a life that is righteously lived, is a life that puts God first that praises God and is grateful to God in all things, in all circumstances. The psalmist goes from there to talk about his own experience, to give a testimony, if you will, to announce, this is how God saved me. I was in a moment of trouble. I was down in the pit and God rescued me. God pulled me out. God saved me. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. That's what the saints do for us, is it not? They tell us their stories. They point to how God has worked in their lives again and again to save and rescue and help. And then in verse 11, it turns to that word of instruction. Listen, children, let me tell you how to live life with God. Fear the Lord. As the book of Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And as I was sharing with the children, what that means is not being afraid of God, not being scared by God, but loving God and giving God God's proper place in our lives. Recognizing that God is God and we are not. Love and devotion and trust and faith in God is the key to abundant life. Then the psalmist goes on to say a little bit more about the nature of God. And there's a beautiful verse toward the end of the section that we heard this morning. God is near to the brokenhearted and holds the crushed 
in spirit. What a word of comfort that we need this morning. What a comforting word for all who grieve and all who hold the heaviness of this world that God is near to the brokenhearted and holds the crushed in spirit. The psalmist recognizes that there are times in our lives when our hearts are broken and our spirits are crushed. The lesson that the psalmist is teaching to the children and to all of us is not that God is good to the righteous and punishes the evil. The psalmist is not teaching that if you just live right and you do what you're supposed to, everything's going to work out for you. And if you don't obey God and you, you sin, then things are going to be bad for you. No, the psalmist knows it's not that simple. That even the righteous have many afflictions. Even those who love God and follow God all of their lives will walk through seasons of darkness, will experience grief and suffering. That is part of what life is. Not one of the saints that we celebrate this day is without suffering or has a story that does not have seasons of grief and wilderness. And the psalmist recognizes that even in those moments of brokenheartedness and crushed spirit, God is with us and holding us. Even if we don't see God, even if we can't feel God, even if we don't believe it, God is nevertheless with us. And finally, he wraps up this psalm with the final verse proclaiming that God redeems the lives of those who love God. A word of hope that for all of these saints whom we celebrate, for all of us who are not perfect, who have stumbled and fallen and sinned again and again and again, who have made so many mistakes, God redeems our lives and makes us whole. At the end of our lives, we can trust and believe in this God who loves us, who's been with us all along the way on the journey, and who will bring us home to wholeness and peace and light. This is the song of the saints, my friends. A song that all of our beloved church members who have died are singing to us this morning. Can we hear their voices? Can we hear their invitation to love God, to trust in this God who is with us when our hearts are broken and our spirits are crushed, to trust in this God who is even now redeeming our lives and redeeming this world to shape us and all of creation into the likeness of God. These saints are singing this song for us and now they invite us to continue the song. And so my friends, on this All Saints Sunday, the question is before us, how will our lives sing a song of praise?